Welcome to Z-Code Sports Betting Podcast, your place where insider secrets, tricks, and systems are revealed to help you become a successful sports investor. Let the show begin. Hey, Adam. It's awesome to have you back on the Z-Code Podcast. This is Jake. And obviously, we've done our last podcast a while ago. So just as a catch-up, how are things and what have you been up to lately? Yeah, it's, uh, it was really nice uh, to hear from you this week uh, about uh, doing another entry for the eSports podcast. can't believe it's been kind of a year, I think, or so since the last one. It goes really yeah. quickly. Um, 2019 was a great year for the eSports stuff, and I shared a lot of that with the Z-Code community. Um, CSGO, Dota, and StarCraft, all in profit. And uh, yeah, so we're just getting underway again for the 2020 schedule, and uh only a few tournaments under the belt so far. Last weekend was first losing weekend, unfortunately, but uh, you know, still early uh, in the year uh, to make up some ground on on those those losses. So, but no, I'm I'm good, man. I'm great. Awesome, awesome. So, obviously, we're not going to be doing anything to do with what's esports because we already know pretty much everything about esports. Uh, and the Zico community has been brought up to speed, it seems, as we can see a lot of people have been betting on esports and they are very much aware of what it is and how yeah. it works and how to watch it and where well, to watch it. There's even people on the wall that will answer questions other people have if I don't get to it. So I know there is a better awareness, certainly even within the Z code community of the esports, which is just great, as you said. Yeah, and it's it's uh, transparent as a whole because it's obviously everywhere else as well. I think people are just generally a lot more aware of uh, the markets and the availability to bet on esports. Mm-hmm. Um, I will probably ask you this question though, because obviously we've gone through these stages and the market has gone from uh, people learning about it and gathering information about it to, we could say, it becoming a bit more mainstream right now. Right. Because it's definitely a, the availability, as I said, is a lot higher. Um, we we can basically bet on esports anywhere else, mm-hmm. um, rather than just the standard bookmakers that we had in the past. And obviously, the esports dedicated bookmakers, they are still there. But then you also have the likes of Bet Three Six Five and so on, who yeah. have jumped on this uh, bandwagon. We could say. yeah maybe a bit late but um, everyone's on it and everyone's doing it Uh, so obviously how would you describe this journey from 2018 when so esports was there but people were still a bit unaware of uh, what was what's what is like and what it is to it becoming basically a mainstream sport now we could say sport but yeah people can say competition it's up to um I guess it's personal preference, personal observation. Yeah, no, the the growth in esports. I mean, even in well, well, last year, but um, even a few years ago, when I read the Z Code esports bible that you and I think Trey wrote, um, I remember at the time it, it, mm. it was talking about how much esports was growing, and it's just continued. And I know for those of, uh, listening that have heard us talk about how. Um, exponential the growth has been you'll be like you know this sounds like the same old cliche thing that they're saying about esports but it's because it continues to just grow and the international sponsorship the awareness 
Um, and, and I'm not just talking about betting. I'm talking about, um, you know, it's been televised at Buffalo Wild Wings. Mm. And, you know, you've got mainstream um, big-time traditional athletes that are, you know, getting involved, investing in it. And I think even last year we talked about, you know, complexity being partnered with the Dallas Cowboys and oh, yeah. how, how they had moved their team in all of their esports down to uh, it, it, I forget it's just out that their training facility is just outside Dallas, but it's a state of the art class of um, training that the, these these I'm not going to call them athletes. I know some people do call them athletes, but professional <laughs> gamers um, go through, and uh, so that is just continuing as the investment comes in. Um, and in terms of the the betting side of things, all bookmakers are now aware that if they haven't already jumped into it, they're behind the ball. And I mean, I'm going to today when we talk about what the betting is like, I'm going to focus on just two bookmakers specifically because I think they're the two premier esports books for traditional bet um, bookmakers. And that's Pinnacle and Bet365. And if you look at, you know, today, the, I know it's a quiet week for tennis, so I do keep that in mind. But there are 200 and something esports markets today. You know, it's March 6th, and there's 70 tennis markets. And, you know, it's 2 p.m. Eastern. But mm. that we would not have seen even five years ago. Okay, we would have seen some CSGO matches appear, some League of Legends, maybe a little Dota. Um, but today we have every single esport, or sorry, CSGO competition being covered by these two bookmakers bet 365 today is offering um as well as you know your csgo league dota they also are offering starcraft 2 and the original starcraft which really hasn't been popular since over 10 years ago you know you're talking about almost 20 years ago they're also offering overwatch PUBG, rocket league um and i saw one more earlier but it's eluding me now but the Basically, every traditional bookmaker that wants a stake in the game knows that they have to go, you know, headfirst into esports, you know, offering live betting as well, offering good limits, offering, you know, futures. And by doing so, they will continue to keep with the current generation coming up, you know. So um, the growth has continued to be exponential. And, and, as well, I've seen markets in this past year for games that you wouldn't have even thought of. You know, uh, Fortnite, um, Rainbow Six, uh, Call of Duty, uh, every sports game is now being featured, like even the um, EA NHL um, franchise, which is hugely popular. And, you know, NBA uh, 2K, um, the uh, NFL, what's it called, um, Madden. Um, fighting games, racing games. I, I saw mm. betting markets for uh, Formula One esports last year. And I, I have a colleague um, who's in another sports trade, and he does traditional formula racing. And uh, we just ha- it was it was just fun discussing it from, from my esports background and his Formula One background. We we I didn't bet any of it, but it was just interesting to see the amount of investment. And they're partnered with Formula One um, itself. So it is it's here to stay you know we can discuss which games and, and we'll get into that later um but the the growth has just continued over this past year and i've seen it i'm really glad that you actually touched on formula one because uh as soon as you mentioned the exponential growth i was thinking 
Formula One, and then you obviously <laughs> think of the um, the famous Formula One drivers who are actually utilizing the game yeah as a way to practice <laughs> and learn the tracks which is fa fantastic and it, it yeah. just shows that um the sort of the the game itself um it gives you that realistic um aspect that yeah. you can transfer it to the real world obviously it's not the same thing but um yeah. it gives you that ability to practice when you're not on the track obviously you're not going to be on the track every single day but yeah no the the quality of um, some of these more realistic simulation games is right there. And additionally, that's another point that we can touch on later, which is one of the uh, foundations of what makes a good eSport is that there is a skill threshold. You know, a Formula One racer sitting down to use a simulator as opposed to an average guy, there's still going to be a gap in their ability to... Uh, perform even in a simulator so uh, it's not like you know it's not like this is a excellent guitarist playing rock band okay so don't don't be thinking that's kind of you know what a sim simulator is like it, it's it's so completely different uh, um well we're gonna slightly move on to something a bit different because obviously we're talking about formula one games and stuff like that but um, the whole idea of video games, and this is slightly different from tra traditional sports, which obviously don't change for a very long time. I mean, football is still the same as it was maybe 50 years ago, but obviously the rules have changed a little bit. Right. But as for esports games, you're looking at technology, and technology is obviously changing all the time. You have right. new innovations, um, new things coming out, yeah. and this is where... I want to get your opinion on uh, esports games that are out right now because mm -hmm. looking at things that are that came out in 2013, for example, CS:GO and then League of Legends, which is also another very old game. Um, it's over five years. Um, do you feel like those games are getting a bit outdated right now, um, or games are just basically timeless and they're still gonna be enjoyable as much as they are now in a couple of years' time? Obviously, we're looking at those games and probably um, once they reach maybe 10 years, you will be expecting a new update to be coming out in terms yeah. of like a whole new layout, whole new design, a new engine. Yeah. Um, but what's your take on the current games? So if we look at the, those ones that have been, that sort of established the current esports scene as we know it today, like Counter-Strike Global Offensive, like uh, League of Legends and like, let's say, Dota, because they, they were all released within a couple years of each other, and they are the premier betting uh, games and have the most, you know, in financial investment. Um, if we look at those three, um, I see completely what you mean about there hasn't been a lot of changes overall. However, in the time, if you look at the quality of the performance in play, you know, five, six years ago compared to today, every single year, every region is saying it's more competitive this year. And why? Because there's more investment coming into every single region. And by having so many international competitions, coaching, analysts, um, every, every amount of uh, professionalism that they can bring esports to is how the scene is currently being uh, exposed, I guess you'd say, is 
the teams that aren't putting that investment in are falling behind. Now, when we talk about specifically a game being outdated, I think it games will naturally fall that way where if they don't continue to evolve the meta, for instance. So if we're talking about Counter-Strike, what is something that Valve is trying to do is they update maps. You know, they change the layout slightly. They change the weighting of the um, cost of weapons. And in order to try to keep it as dynamic, as balanced, and as competitive as possible. Now, if you look at Counter-Strike today, as uh, eight years ago, there was there's no uh, improvement on graphics. You know, it, it's still the same. You could run it on the same computer today as you did back then. But <laughs> when you think about Counter Strike, it's it was never a game based on the quality of its graphics. The same thing about Dota. The same thing about League of Legends. It's the the format of the game that keeps them so popular. And you know, when we t- so when we talk about it as a um, a popular game, it just as as for the gaming community, those games will always be there. I, if you look at the original Counter Strike 1.6, there are still thousands of players downloading it and playing it today. And that game is so outdated; the maps don't change. But enough of the community got involved with it that it's still established today, and it's a free-to-play game. And that's another thing: is with these games being free-to-play, like a, a similar parallel to football, it. It's something that, you know, if you download the, the Steam Workshop, are you going to, you know, jump into an indie game, first of all? No, you'll probably try your hand at one of these mega popular, kind of easy to pick up, hard to master, but easy to pick up games. So I do understand with those three titles what you mean by it being outdated. It's not that it's evolved very much. You know, you see updates and patches and, you know, Ice Frog, who does the, the Dota updates every you know couple months not even more frequently there's tinkering done to certain characters and you know the map changes slightly um but it really it stays the same and i think using football as the comparison is yes you know we have var and you know there's you know a bit better athletes and stuff like that but the strategy of the game and the the beauty of it is going to stay the same. And I think that's how those types of esports should be seen. And just to elaborate a little bit more, in, in relation to esports itself being up to outdated, I completely disagree with that because we have seen so many new games start to get um, a base going. And I know that you're well aware of a few of them, like you know Rainbow Six, Call of Duty, um, even Fortnite had their first ever oh, World Cup last year, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and they had it at the Arthur Ashe uh, Tennis Stadium. I, I don't know if you're aware of that, um, which is just, you know, and I, I even took a couple punts down on, um, you know, a few funny outrights just, you know, <laughs> just as a joke because, you know, it, it was just interesting to me that this was happening and I was curious and uh, why not put a cheeky bet down. Um, but it, so... In terms of esports being outdated, no, it's only getting better, it, and and um, the marketplace is going to naturally cause these games to either improve, like you say, with like a new source engine, or they're going to fall by the wayside. And um, a great example of that is Riot just released, you know, their first ever FPS game 
in I think it's called Valorant, and I, I haven't checked it out yet, but it, it's early stages. Um, but that's an example of you know the money is there for some of these big developers to say, no, 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 we have I we have ideas for what we can do to improve on what's already been done. Mm. And well, speaking of Valorant, that was that's where I was going in my next question, oh, which <laughs> obviously, obviously we're talking about a new game coming out. Um, it's got a very similar con con uh, concept of, to the previous games we're talking about, Counter-Strike that you mentioned. Um, Valorant is based on something like that, but also it has the idea of um, just characters uh, having different sort of yeah. the powers in the game, which is uh, an interesting concept because you have um, a bit of both worlds, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, you have the competitive aspect of shooter and then obviously the aspect of a superhero where you can utilize your yeah. uh, superpower in a I've heard it's a little time. bit of a, a overlap between Overwatch and Counter-Strike. That's all I've heard from it. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Mm. So, so we have new games poking through the holes, but at the same time, you have the old-fashioned community, and I don't know if you remember what happened with 1.6 and Counter-Strike Source when it was meant to be bonded into a single yes. game, which was CSGO. <laughs> yeah. We were looking at two different communities, yeah. uh, which were obviously not very pleasant to each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just say they didn't like each other very much. Yeah, they, they, they had their own cliques and their own... Um... I guess, uh, arrogance, didn't they? Definitely. And yeah. <laughs> it was really hard to bond these two games into a single one and move the players over to the the one single platform so that events could be organized by, uh, you know, big, event, big events, uh, organizers such as Valve sponsored events and so on. Yeah. And obviously ESL and, and that. Yeah, but they did manage, and now we're looking at video games which are similar concept. So that means if a new game of such type comes out, then either part of the community or the entire community is going to move over to it. Obviously, no, I'm not talking about like the entire community of CS:GO is going to disappear and they're going right. to go play Valorant. But we're looking at a possibility where, obviously, a new game comes out, the CS:GO having maybe a monopoly in the whole, um, I wouldn't really say a realistic shooter, but they are sort of like a competitive yeah. shooter of, a t of this five versus five uh, format. Yeah. Uh, so it is a bit of a monopoly. They don't see anyone threatening their player base. And then you have Valorant, which is coming out. Yeah. Do you see those new games as a possible threat? And do you see the player base sort of moving over to those games? Or how do you see this transition going? How, how is it going to happen, in your opinion? So I, I think, well, first of all, I'll talk about um, some of the ones that are pre-existing. So, for example, you had some of the most popular shoes of all time have been Counter-Strike, Halo, Call of Duty... Now, the Halo community, for example, they died off because the pro professional scene and mm. the developer failed to do a good job of, um, I guess, uh, making the, the professional scene flourish. The games continued to be popular, um, but by releasing new games in the franchise beyond a professional scene, 
it sort of began to not kill it, but make it less interesting over time. So f- for a game like Call of Duty, that that is a worry. I see that as a worry, given that every single year, it seems there's a Black Ops 2 or Modern Warfare. Or, you know, they've gone they've gone through all of the cycles of the history of uh, warfare on Earth, you know, from World War One, <laughs> World War Two, all the way to, you know, where they look like they're Spartans in Halo, you know, 2,000 years in the future, and now they're sort of back to... So I, I see I see games like that having more of an issue because the professional scene is forced to adapt and change to a, almost a different game sometimes if the developer doesn't take care of how the pros see it. And what you, I mean, look at the the first pros that came over from Counter Strike Source uh, to Counter Strike Global Offensive were from Source, and it was because of the money that was being put in that, and so for that reason, the professional scene of a future Counter Strike will will be fine because enough players in today's Global Offensive community. Um, are looking forward to that move, even if it takes a while for the game to become as phenomenal or accepted by the professional scene um, a little ways away. Um, in terms of other shooters taking away, like Valorant or Rainbow Six um, Siege or what else do we have, uh, Overwatch, in terms of those newer titles um, sort of, splitting the difference in first-person shooters and sort of, you know, they're fighting over scraps of a, of a shooting community. Uh, I don't see it that way, uh, simply because of how prominent the gaming community is. I mean, we're talking about an industry that, you know, is incredibly popular, and it's only getting more popular as time goes on, because video games are progressively being more included in... Um, I don't want to say daily lifestyle, but that's, I mean, you, you mentioned last year about mobile gaming. We'll touch on that later, but that's a great example of, you know, even people who wouldn't have considered themselves gamers still will play, you know, Counter-Strike or Dota, you know, after work for a little bit with some buddies that they know. I mean, it's funny because um, I've got a group of, I live in, in the UK, of course, and the, the guys I game with the most are actually strangers that I met playing Counter-Strike um, and PUBG, and they're from Denmark, and they're from Norway, and uh, and uh, it, it's just, and Finland as well, and, and it's just funny to me that these these are guys that are, you know, late 30s, early 40s, who are, come from this Counter-Strike 1.6 days, that, you know, their kids are playing Fortnite, and they'll sometimes game with their kids, um, but after the kids go to bed, they'll, you know, crack a beer and we'll play a little bit. I mean, it's been a while since we did. But my point here is that the gaming industry is so well established and esports is not going anywhere. So I, although games might, you know, replace one another um, as they get better, I, I'm not worried about it as far as a health for esports scene. And that's the pro- prominent reason why I love betting it is because I know it's going to be here to stay. So why not try to keep up with what the bookmakers are doing? Definitely. Um, See, so you, you touched on some really good points. 
But as for the market itself, obviously, we are at a position where the technology is sort of revolving around the modern stuff, such as mm -hmm. the mobiles, as well as VR, which are new. I suppose we could say VR is new, but mobiles were always here. They just were never considered to be used for professional gaming. Right. right now, we do have events for that, and they are getting a lot of money funding from all sorts of different developers. And yeah. Clash of Clans had an event the other day, and it was very bizarre for me to watch it even as a person so I, I, I'd love to hear about it because I haven't watched a mobile event myself so I'd, I'd be interested to hear it's, it's, it's a funny experience from my perspective you see a person playing on their phone and it's, it's a bit like being on the tube in, as an <laughs> underground in London and just watching someone play Candy Crush it's, it's a very similar experience <laughs> but yeah those, those events are getting funding from the developers and sponsors and so on, and they are popular. And I, I was watching that Clash of Clans event, and it had maybe a few thousand people watching it, just okay. over ten thousand on YouTube, which was Great. insane. Yeah. I mean, even for someone who has been living through this era of video gaming, yeah. professional video gaming, online gaming, and so on, even that was very bizarre to me. But VR is the next big thing. I feel like, at least, it's my personal opinion that there does seem to be a stagnation in terms of development of new games. We don't see many new games coming out, perhaps because we're at a point where a new technology came out, such as VR, uh, virtual reality, uh, as for those that don't know it. And this has taken over the production line in terms of development for a new game. I'm guessing the developers are looking into possibility of uh, developing something on their end, they see a possibility in sort of developing something that isn't out there yet, but it has the obviously yeah. possibility to blow up. Do you feel like there will be any sort of VR uh, events coming up soon? Anything like a tier one or at least tier two event? <laughs> you know, I don't see in, in regards to virtual reality, which is um, I, I I played a virtual reality game just briefly at a buddy's house. I, have you played one, Jake? <laughs> I have not played one. You no, haven't played one. Okay, so it. the game yeah. the game that I played um, as far as a shooter is called uh, I think it was Super Hot something, and it it was a game that was going to be released as part of sorry it was software that was going to be released as part of a, a much bigger game. But the, as I understand it, the developers sort of thought they had a good enough product to put out uh, as part of the PlayStation virtual reality. And it's a very s small game, um, but what you do in it is incredible. And when you look at that kind of technology in regards to what it could do for esports, esports will eventually include a virtual reality uh, branch. Without a without a doubt, um, as far as it being necessary to come out soon, I don't think it does. I I, I would like to. I don't. I think anything any talk of it happening now would be a mistake, uh, because the virtual reality games, while the software is impressive, to have it at a point where this it's perfect, the software is perfect, and 
so that you have a skilled scene where players are competing for millions of dollars. It's not even close to that. And I think that's, you know, for example, Valve um, has been pressured to release um, their, their, their next evolution, their next engine um, for their titles. And a huge part of that is because players are excited about what's coming next. But Valve hasn't done any of that. And I think that it's not that they've been sitting on their asses about it. It's that they haven't felt the need to branch into that given the the youthfulness of the esports scene currently. Uh, it's still in, in such early stages. So while virtual reality will eventually get quality events and titles, it's not there yet. The software I'm speaking of, the, the competitive scene is nowhere near there yet. And I think trying to get into that space in terms of a, a gaming community too early could be disastrous for an esports scene that is still getting a good foundation across many genres of games, if you follow my meaning. So, um, so yeah, I, I am excited for that next evolution, but I don't want um, I don't want it to be quite yet. I think uh, I think the games that are here and that have just you know just come onto the scene, like Overwatch or Rainbow Six or the new Call of Duty, I think those games need to foster a bigger community um, with good quality events. I mean, we still last year, Jake, we still had. Um, certain tournaments that hadn't paid out their their players for certain qualifiers and stuff like that and certain talent uh, casters and stuff so it's not esports as as much of a fan of it as i am it still has a long way to go in terms of you know really having the ground all the ground covered definitely and we're not just talking about sort of having rules in place but also sort of um, legislation bodies and, and yeah. organizations that will be um, testing the gamers for different reasons, such as drug testing. And so yeah. it's, it's, yeah. kinda, it's getting in that position, but it's not there yet. Obviously, it's well, still very, very early stages. And well, One thing that seems to have cooled off a bit in, in the, the biggest... Um, leagues and biggest esports is the match fixing issues that those while it still happens and it still happens enough that it's noticed um those instances have come down considerably in the five years that i've been betting on esports and um that's just excellent and that's because of the money that has been poured into the scene um and i was also oh it's eluding me right now um what else? Uh, let's move on. It might come back to me. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, I no have problem. a bunch of things written down here to discuss, and I just uh, some other things have popped uh, uh, on my mind. And sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, going back to us talking about video games becoming, you know, the new video games coming out and possibly becoming very. A lot of it has to do with financial backing as well. Yeah, I was just thinking about it. Um, I remember a game called Battalion, nineteen forty-four, which was a complete flop. It was it was a disaster in my opinion, even though most.
most people would probably disagree with me because it is a, an amazing game. It had all the bases covered apart from, well, apart from two. One of them was the developer was very, very much full of himself. Okay. Had a massive ego. <laughs> and, oh, and number two was he didn't have financial backing from the get-go. So when it came to organizing events and getting the big streamers over and, you know, the the, the typical thing that will attract people to play it, which is money and then possibility of it becoming a, a mainstream game where every, but you're going to have thousands of people playing it regularly. Um, that wasn't there, but as for the likes of Valorant, we're looking at a company such as Riot, which has millions, if not billions yeah. of um, dollars that they can pump into this game. And that's, I'm guessing that's where the, that's where the players would be after this when they see big money that's right again there's a possibility of it yeah it's like esports is now at that point where it's it's if you build it they will come and the 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 finance available to these um these developers to and i'm talking about the big ones and to the organizations is there now so that they can ensure that they can take the esports scene where they want to go um and it's not like you you mentioned this valorant riot is absolutely going to do what it takes to make that game viable even if it never surpasses counter-strike they are going to do everything they can to ensure it's here to stay and um you know you mentioned the, the the battalion game um but another example was valve released that card game that was meant to um what's it architect or what was it called mm. uh, artifact artifact Artifacts. and it was meant to you know compete with hearthstone which is a blizzard title and it never it, it had so many problems with it um and it never really developed a scene and you know a lot of people stopped playing it after a few months that is a signal you know that's that uh, that if that happens to a small company trying to make their first game, yeah, they're gonna kill themselves before they get off the ground. But to a company like Valve, it's a learning experience. They don't throw any of it away. You can still download it, and I'm sure they're thinking of at some point we'll return to this and find a new way to do it, whether it's on a new engine or you know it's with a different background or we have a different um, lead programmer or designer or whatever it is. Um, but you're absolutely right. It, the the money that you know, as you mentioned, Riot has brought to Valorant, just makes it a real positivity for the gaming community. And speaking of Valve, obviously CS:GO events are being scheduled, and that's I'm assuming that is one of your biggest passions, which is CS:GO. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, which one's I've got- I've got okay, go four on. games on the go right now as, as we're discussing this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what transitions have you seen in CSGO lately? So, the count, I mentioned earlier, you know, Counter-Strike itself has not changed in a decade, but last year, a new map, for instance, was brought into the map called Vertigo, and they right now, the maps that are not included in the pool, for example, Cobblestone, which is a classic map and cash which is another classic map both of both of those two 
um, are sitting on the sidelines while the, the competitive map pool, which is seven, um, is sort of just rotated through and teams work on their meta. Now, when Vertigo, which was a brand new map not seen in Counter-Strike Global Offensive before, um, when it was introduced to the competitive map pool and, you know, the esports scene officially, um, it went through multiple iterations of reworks to try to get it as balanced as possible. And it probably still isn't finished. And that's, you know, that was, I, I had a rule where I didn't bet on any teams that on the Vertigo map because I didn't know how it was going to play out. There was no data. We didn't know if it was more T-sided or CT-sided. We didn't know which teams had worked on strats, which teams had tried to make it part of their map pool. So, you know, Astralis, the best team in the world last year, they had a a game with Liquid um, where they had an 11-4 T-side, and I think they got one CT round on their own map pick of Vertigo and lost trip, and that was their pick. And you sort of say to yourself, okay, this is an example of a team that probably has put more time into that map than any other team on the in the world, and yet they can't get more than one round uh, <laughs> on their CT side. So that was one example. As well, there was huge changes to the economy system last year, uh, um, which I'm happy to... I, I wrote an article on it, um, and I'm happy to discuss any time. I won't drone on about that, but basically the idea behind some of the economy changes is in CSGO, which is um, strongly focused on teams being able to buy utility and weapons for their uh, players in order to have an advantage in the rounds, um, it was they they changed the 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 round loss bonus so that teams that were con- had lost multiple in a row built up a sort of stack in which when they won one instead of resetting to the lowest round bonus they would just move down one level from a maximum of thirty three hundred dollars a round so that that brought huge changes it it meant a lot more favorites won in my um impression last year um simply because better teams weren't going to get reset late in the game provided that they were taking care of their economy pretty well and so it's it's meant less dogs and so i have to change the system a little bit and but um so those were the two major changes i thought in 2019 um but 2020 i'm sure we will see cash um potentially move back in or maybe it'll be cobblestone um and um with both of those a lot of people will come back to watch and play because People get excited when new maps are introduced. Um, so yeah, that was that was the big ones for Counter Strike. It's funny you say new maps get introduced, but <laughs> yeah. CS:GO people <laughs> they come back when they it's... see the old map. <laughs> I say new maps, which is absolutely hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I say new map, and if you look at it, there's a YouTube video of cobblestone with 20 years of changes. <laughs> on it so yeah i say new map um really i just mean uh, new new updates to it yeah, yeah new design probably or yeah. something <laughs> like that so we mentioned bookmakers earlier on and you were going to focus on two specific bookmakers um could you give us a rundown of what these bookmakers are and what do they mean for esports right sure 
Sure. So the two bookmakers that I recommend to people that are used to using traditional books, I mean, I've been approached from some esports books um, about, you know, affiliating with them or, mm. um, you know, pr- promoting their stuff. And I don't use any esports books because even though I, I, I have a passion for this niche, it's still a little bit less than half of my betting volume. So it's important to me to use traditional books, which I'm sure for most of the Zico community fits them fine. So my two recommendations as far as um, bookmakers that have been invested in this area for a little while and offer the greatest range of markets are Pinnacle and Bet365. Um, They both are, they're very distinct bookmakers in terms of their approach to setting lines and who they love play and what their, I guess, um, clientele is. Um, but in both regards, I, because I still don't believe that there is sharp money involved in betting esports, not to the level that we see it in traditional sports. And for that reason, I tend not to worry about a certain price point at one book being far different from another. Um, but just, just going on these two books, they have the greatest range of esports titles, meaning what games they offer. Um, they also have live betting options available. They have future betting, prop betting, um, and they're very distinct in, um, I guess, the range of odds you might see, even between yeah. Bet365 and Pinnacle. So, because, again, I, I've last year in the podcast, what we talked about extensively was, or I think we did, I hope we did, um, was... <laughs> One of the best benefits of esports betting is line shopping because you will get such a range of prices, and it's not like and and I've said this many times before. If you look at you know tonight, if I'm looking at the NHL card, um, I'm and then I look let's say through twelve different bookmakers. Let's see, we've got for example the Vegas Golden Knights playing Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg is priced between. Plus uh, 2.15 and 2.21 at every single book that I have open right now. Um, If we look at a CSGO match, let's see, uh, one that's going on right now, Fours and Pro 100, um, you can... Oh, that's... There's no lines up for that one. (laughs) Uh, But but, um, without delaying what what my point is, it's simply that... You, if you have accounts with just a few um, traditional bookmakers, um, esports lines will see distinct price differences, and that continues to be a case. Uh, for example, Bet Online, which is available to many Americans, um, they have the best total pricing that I've seen in esports. You know, if you're taking an over two and a half maps or over 26 and a half rounds. I always get better price. Well, I should say I sh- a huge amount of my uh, totals volume goes through Bet Online simply because their prices are better than both Bet365 and Pinnacle in many cases. Um, so when when I talk about why sign up for accounts with these particular two, it's because if you're interested in betting all of what CSGO has to offer, you know, right now there's the America's Minor. Um, for the major, for um, uh, there's the America's minor, the Middle East qualifier, 
There's the CIS minor, there's the CSGO Clutch, there's CSGO ESC Australia, ESC Europe, ESC North America, the Australian oh. New Zealand Championship, Flashpoint Land Qualifier, Nordic Masters, and a Japanese League, which I didn't even know existed. So okay. I, there's more Counter-Strike matches going on than I can actually pay attention to at this point. You know, maybe a few years ago, there would be, well, there might be 20 in a day, I, and I would pay attention to 15 of them. Now it's got to the point where I have to deal with almost exclusively Europe and North America because there's so many markets available and matches that are featured that it, you don't want to spread yourself too thin. Um, and that's a great place to be. It's a great time to be in esports betting. Mm. Awesome. So just to wrap things up, let's move back to the actual systems because you've always worked on a lot of different systems and you've been tinkering around with yeah. different uh, tools and things like that. So are you working on anything right now? So the one that that I've had, had the most success with was this um, CSGO map progression one, um, which I put the rules somewhere on Z code, but anybody who's interested can ask me about them. Um, and I also have one for uh, Dota kill spreads that got going last year and had really good returns. I had one that I was working on for Dota totals, but it, it was a bit messy last year. It was really up and then really down. And so <laughs> that one, you know, like like, like, like we do, it, it, some things start to look really good and you, you start to believe in it. And then, it, you, you know, you think you have a good sample size you think the approach is sound, um, and then it turns out that maybe it was just noise and it was just your the timing of your selection. So for the totals, for Dota totals, they're tricky. You know, we see a range of between 40 and 50 kills pretty much on 99% of games, but we get quite a range of, you know... It, it, that one, so that so I have a good system for kill spreads, and I suggest anyone looking to get into Dota and League of Legends to start with kill handicaps. Um, well, money, money line and then kill handicaps, um, because those markets are the ones that have the most correlation to winning and value. Um, and without droning on, you can ask me about that on the wall. Um, and so I started working on last year, uh, in the second half of the year, an Overwatch system and a League of Legends system. League of Legends, I think I ended the year with about eight units of profit. Um, but most of that was off of a phenomenal MS mid-season um, invitational uh, earlier in the year. Um, and then I kind of mm. cooled off later on. Um, and then the Overwatch system... It, it had a lot to do with um, using data from earlier in the season. So I haven't started betting League of Legends and Overwatch this year. I'm not confident in it enough that I want to start in the first month. I'm looking about the halfway point to get involved. You know, it, it's very similar to, you know, if do you want to bet the Australian Open right away or do you want to bet the first month of the NBA? No, sometimes you prefer to see how players are playing on hardcore or see how, you know, which teams are clicking with a new coach in the NBA or whatever it is the first month. So it's, it's a type of thing where with esports, there's, there is 
huge amounts of companies starting to post uh, data that's available to consumer um, for free. If you seek out those resources, then you should start to try to develop a system. Um, but again, it's like it's like any sport. You, you have to put the work in. You can't jump the gun too early. Um, and um, so, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy that I got to touch on a few new esports because, you know, it's not, again, it's not because CSGO or League of Legends and or Dota and StarCraft are stagnant. It's just, it's good to diversify, right? We talk about, um, you know, having Definitely. your hands in a lot of different uh, things. So, yeah, that's, um, that's about it. I, I can't believe uh, how quickly the time's gone today. Yeah, 48 minutes. <laughs> Listen, Adam, it was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I think viewers are going to absolutely love it, our listeners even. And thank you so much. Yeah. And have a great evening. Hey, thanks, Jake. And uh, I, I apologize for the rambling nature I sometimes have. Uh, I, I do talk about esports, you know, about you know <laughs> half of my betting um day with with many colleagues so mm -hmm. it's something that i do ramble about and and if there's any points of clarification that uh, the listeners have um that i can be of more assistance uh please do ask again i came to z code in 2013 i had never bet esports um prior to seeing jake and edis and um some other people posting it at z code in 2015 i started to look into it and this is me talking about it with just five i mean if you talk about people who've been betting baseball for you know 30 years this is as much as i like to think i know what i'm talking about it's still only five years of experience for myself and i'm always <laughs> trying to learn so um but please don't be afraid to look into esports to utilize the data data that is out there and uh, of course the, the experts uh, over at z code Thank you for listening to our Z-Code Sports Betting Podcast, where insider systems, secrets, and tools are revealed to help you win on sports betting. If you have a comment or question, make sure to visit us at www.zcodesystem.com. Download our free sports prediction tools and join our VIP club to follow winning systems from people who make a living betting sports professionally. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. See you next time.